story side, are you thankful for Jesus today? Why don't you take a moment here at the onset of our message and just put your hands together and let's let God know how much we love him, how thankful we are for his blessings in our lives. Let's also celebrate in this moment all those throughout this season, the next couple of weekends that are being baptized, and we celebrate the decision for people to say publicly that we are following Jesus, and we celebrate this decision, we celebrate what God is doing in your life. Thank you, Jesus. We are going to conclude our series today on clean. Let's say that word together clean. Can we say it one more time? Clean. I heard the joke about little Johnny. Little Johnny is actually in his uh, Sunday school class, and uh, the, the teacher is teaching about uh, confession, teaching about admitting your mistakes, and the teacher is giving the example of George Washington, and she says to the class, she, she says, George Washington not only chopped down his father's cherry tree, but he also admitted, there's the word, he admitted to doing it. Do, do any of you today know why his father did not punish him? Little Johnny raised up his hand, and he replied to his teacher, because George was still holding the axe. Uh, he, was still holding, he was still holding the axe. As we talk today about clean, we are going to focus in on the word repentance. What does it mean for you and I to repent or to confess our sins or our mistakes? When we look at verse number 26 of Ephesians chapter number 5, it's speaking about Jesus Christ, and it says this in verse 26, He died to make the church holy. He died to make the church holy. He used the telling of the good news to make the church, here's the word we're going to talk about, clean. Clean. He died, he told, to make the church clean. So we have a sacrifice of a Savior. We have the telling of the good news, what we would call the gospel, with the intent or the purpose for you and I as His church to be clean. They say that if our, greed, uh, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, He would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, He would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. When you look at the word Savior, by definition, it means one who saves from danger or destruction, one who brings salvation. When we look at that word Savior, I think it's important for us to identify who. Who is the Savior? Who is our Savior? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, And she, Mary, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name 
Jesus. Let's say his name together. Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save. We're talking about Savior. He shall save his people from their sins. Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no other, for there is no other name. There's not options. It's not multiple choice. There's not different ways to accomplish the saving from our sin. There is one name under heaven given among men whereby we must, must, must not, not consider, not it's one of many. This is very clear for all of us that salvation comes through the name, the door, the pathway of Jesus Christ. When we look at who is the Savior and we say the Savior is Jesus, I think a good follow-up question is who can be saved? Who can be saved? The Bible says in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone to everyone who believes first to the jew and then to the gentile acts chapter 2 verse 21 whosoever shall call on the name of the lord shall be saved whoever makes that decision whoever prays that prayer whoever calls on the name of the lord i love the verse in second peter 3 9 it's always a great reminder pastoring people. It's always a great reminder even personally as to the nature of God. When it tells us the Lord is not slow, He's not slow about keeping His promises. Some people think He's waiting for you. Even as you listen to God's Word today, as Scripture is being quoted, I want you to apply that to your own life. He's waiting on you. That, that it's not something that he's rushing to judgment. He's not ready to write you off. He's waiting on you. What if today, that for the first time, or for some of you, that second or third or fourth time, that God is waiting on you to confess, waiting on you to admit or acknowledge, waiting on you to repent. I love what it says. The Lord does not want any person I know you may think, uh, yeah, but he doesn't know my neighbor. Yes, he does. He doesn't know my coworker. He doesn't know my ex. Yes, he does. God does not want any person to be punished forever, but he wants all people. That's good news for you today. That's good news for me. He wants all people to be sorry for their sins and to, here's what repentance means, and to turn from our sins. When we look at repentance and this admission or feeling sorry, this admission actually leads to action. What are the action steps that we take when we are turning from our sins? As we appreciate today, as we celebrate God's forgiveness or God's grace, I believe that to appreciate this cleansing or this cleaning when we start the message and we're saying that the good news or the death on the cross was so that he could make the church clean 
to appreciate cleaning or cleansing from God, we must first acknowledge that we're unclean. Clean is only valued if you first acknowledge I'm unclean, that there is some area of my life, my nature, my DNA, my flesh, that is unfit, that is impure, that is unclean. When you look at the word unclean in the Bible, you're going to find that it approaches about 200 times. And it could talk about uncleanness in your life personally. It could talk about unclean sacrifices. It could talk about unclean kind of situations. There is something about a recognition or a realization that I'm unclean. They say that 90% of solving a problem is realizing that there is one. 90% of solving a problem is realizing that there is a problem. I heard the true story about Sergeant Ray Bars of Midvale, Utah. He worked for the police department there, and the true story is that one day, he opens up his wallet, and when he opens up his wallet, he realizes and notices that his driver's license is expired. Embarrassed, as he is looking there at his driver's license, embarrassed that he, as an officer working for the police department, he has actually caught himself red-handed. In that moment, Sergeant Bars is is recorded as making a decision, a choice, to take out paperwork and fines himself. He begins to write a ticket, a citation, to Sergeant Ray Bars from Sergeant Ray Bars. He is asked later about taking the ticket to the judge who ultimately find him at his request and when he is asked about writing a ticket from himself to himself he is recorded as saying this how could I give a ticket to anyone else for an expired license if I didn't cite myself you know sometimes in our lives it's so easy to notice what someone else is doing wrong so easy to take note of the areas that they need to improve. Without realizing in our lives, we all need to have some times, some moments, some convicting times where we take out, maybe it's not your wallet and your license, but your heart, your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, where you do a a self-assessment of your life and you realize I was wrong I need to improve I am unclean when we recognize when we see that there is that area and I need to repent maybe today as we talk about the cleanness of God maybe in recognizing or realizing or even confessing for some of us today. Confessing is verbally admitting to the areas in my life 
that are sinful or struggling are those situations that I need to change. Maybe for all of us, we go back to the very beginning of why, why do we need a Savior? The first and foremost reason would be that we're born in sin. Romans chapter 3 will tell us that all have sinned. Not most people, not many, not the majority. All have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. The Bible would tell us in Psalm 51 that we are born in sin or we are shapen in iniquity. Romans 5.19 will tell us that for as by one man's disobedience, sin entered the world and death by sin, for that all have sinned. You and I are part of that equation. We are part of that number. When you look at Galatians 5, both in that passage and others, when it talks about the works of the flesh, it will actually use the word uncleanness. That in multiple areas of Scripture and writings, it will say that part of our falling short, part of, part of our sin or struggle is referenced or referred to as uncleanness. Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah is looking at being used by God when he's asking heaven to touch him, his life, his lips, he actually uses the same word again. He, he will say, woe to me, I am undone because I am unclean. The writer would talk in scripture about a way of holiness and the way of holiness, the unclean shall not pass through that way. Sometimes in my life, and I'm sure maybe you would relate to this today, sometimes when you begin to sense that uncleanness, it can actually become very overwhelming that we're born in sin so we need a Savior, but with sins of omission and commission and occasional sin and a daily prayer of Father, forgive us our debts or trespasses, Sometimes it can feel very overwhelming as you listen to God's Word today. Maybe you're thinking of areas of your life where you're saying, I, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy. Pastor Mike, I, I could look at my own life and my uncleanness makes me feel very overwhelmed. We sing songs about it. When you look at songs and lyrics and pen to paper over the years or songs that we would have in song books or hymnal books that would date back years and years where people would, would write amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Saved a wretch like me. You don't realize the wretchedness of your life Unless you realize, I'm born in sin. I have fallen short. But when you recognize I'm a wretch, then you realize I need amazing grace. Songwriters would sing songs like, I was sinking deep in sin. Born in sin, shaping. The songwriter would say, I was sinking. That I felt like it was in despair. Far from the peaceful shore, 
He said, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. We sing songs here at all of our locations. We sing songs like, with my whole heart, and some of the lines will say in whole heart that, that death had a hold. That's true. Death had a hold on your life and on my life. The Bible says that, that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The songwriter says in this whole heart song, death had a hold. It'll write about chains were part of my life. It'll say that I was broken and, and sin's hold. That is where you and I were before Jesus came with the good news and ultimately the desire to make us clean. Everyone say clean today. Let's say it one more time at all of our locations. Clean. As we look at this understanding of sin in our lives, it is so important for us to have an understanding that when we see our sinful self, we can then sense our need for a Savior. When we see our sinful self, we then sense our need for a Savior. I heard the joke about the Sunday school teacher that was teaching her class and she had just concluded her children's ministry lesson on uh, forgiveness of sin and she's wanting to make sure that the kids were very clear on the point that she had made that particular day and so she said to the class, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? The students are thinking for a moment and there's a short pause and in the back of the room, little Johnny starts waving his hand. The teacher asks little Johnny, what is the answer to the question, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can obtain forgiveness of sin? Little Johnny was so excited and shouted out the answer, sin, you need to sin. How true is little Johnny's answer that for us to appreciate forgiveness of sin, we first must realize that we sinned. When we look at sin in our life, the next question is not just who is the Savior, Jesus, not realizing who can be saved, everyone, but personally today, personally, to understand how can I be forgiven? How can I be forgiven, Pastor Micah? How can Christ make me clean? Because the facts are that sin has an end in mind. Sin wants to take you out. Sin wants to destroy you. Whether it's being born in sin or having sin that is constantly trying to creep into your life. Sin will make you turn on God. And sin will make you turn on yourself. I've talked to people over the years that have got caught up in sin. And they will tell me, Pastor Micah, some of them as extreme as saying, I don't even want to live anymore. Like, I, I have wanted to take my very life because of the shame, the condemnation, the guilt, 
that can come from sin. So I turn on God, and at times people will turn on their own selves. They'll call themselves names. They'll live in such regret. They'll say things like, like, I never dreamed I would turn into this. I never dreamed that I would go there. I never dreamed that I would become this man or this woman. It affects their lives. It affects their mind. You know, some in Scripture, in writing about their sin, they would actually write about how they had a loss of sleep. Some would say that when they would lay on their beds in the Bible, they would write about how it would almost like prick them or, or the uncomfort, the discomfort that would come from sin. How, Micah, how can I be forgiven when I have that shame? When it's affecting my sleep or my spirit is in turmoil. I know better. I knew better. I don't know why I've done that. How can I be forgiven? The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, but if we confess our sins, if we confess, don't deny, don't blame, don't point the finger, if we confess our sins, God will, I feel the Holy Spirit even saying it to you today, God will forgive us. We can trust that God is going to do it. He always does what is right. He will make us, I love the word, He will make us clean. We've said it earlier, can we say it again? Clean. He will make us clean from all the wrong things we have done. When we have this confession of sin, we repent. I've heard it said that some people lament. They don't repent, they lament. Lament means that you're sorry. Sorry you got caught. Sorry that someone noticed, someone said. This, this is not, when we have a confession, this is not just lamenting. Some people will lament their whole life. Change does not happen when we just lament. Change will happen when we take the step from, I'm sorry, I lament, but I'm ready to repent. That means that this godly sorrow or this lamenting has now taken me to where I want to change. I want to turn. I want to go a different direction. I want my life to have a different ending than the direction that it's headed right now. The Bible says when we have this confession, when we have this desire to change direction, that God will. I love it. God will. It's not, it's not I'm going to think about it. When you make a decision to say, I repent, I confess, I believe. He's not going to adjourn to a later date. He's not going to say, let me get back to you in six months or two years. Not going to say, let me put you on spiritual probation. He's not, he's not looking for a majority vote to see if everyone on your job or in your school or even your family at times, not looking for a majority vote, all in favor of forgiving them of that addiction, all in favor of forgiving them of that affair, all in favor of forgiving them of that lie or that. He's not looking for a majority vote. 
He's not looking for religion to give a stamp of approval. He's not, he's not going when you are praying, when you are stirred, some of you maybe with tears where you're saying, I'm so sorry, I'm lamenting, I'm repenting, I want to change. He, he's not going to, to get permission from someone. He doesn't say, hey, I'll be right back. He's not looking to see what a survey says. He's not, not putting out, you know, to, to get answers back and affirmation back. To, survey says thumbs up or down. No, when you confess, when you confess, God will forgive your sin. You say, Micah, it was bad. Micah, I can't believe God will forgive your sin. You say, Pastor Micah, I let people down. I let myself down. I can't believe God will forgive. Why don't you take a moment at all of our locations right now and put your hands together and thank God that He doesn't just forgive some or most, but God will forgive all of your sins when you confess to Him. The Bible says in Colossians 2, you were spiritually dead. You were spiritually dead because of your sins and because you were not free from the power of your sinful self. God gave you new life together with Christ and He forgave, here it is, all our sins. Verse 14 says, because we broke God's laws, we owed a debt. A debt that listed all the rules that we failed to follow. But God forgave us of that debt he took it away and nailed it to the cross. He took it away. Doesn't leave it hanging over your head. Doesn't remind you of it every time you have a bad moment. Say, doesn't tell you rehash, revisit. You remember two years ago, right? You remember five years ago, right? The Bible says in Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east to the west, from one end to the other, as far as the east to the west, He has removed our transgressions. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Those two letters, that one little word, I-F, if, those two powerful, life-changing letters, how they impact, how they affect my life and your life. If you confess, if you acknowledge and admit, if you say, I'm a sinner, if you say, I have sinned, which is what the prodigal son said, I've sinned before heaven and against you. You could be in church and still struggling. You maybe gave your life to Christ, but you've got sidetracked sense. If, 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 if you will, then He will. God will play His part. If you confess, He will save. He'll forgive. As we get ready to close our message today and wrap these scriptures up, I heard the story about an attorney. They say it's a true story. An attorney decided 
to cancel the debts of all of his clients that had owed him money for more than six months. He drafted a letter explaining his decision and included some Bible verses in this certified letter that he was sending out. He had been challenged to make this generous gesture and forgive all of this debt of people that owed him money longer than a six-month period. His office, they say, sent out 17, 17 certified letters to these people. The amazing part of this true story as I read it was that one by one, the letters were returned by the Postal Service. Unsigned, undelivered, unopened. Out of the 17 letters that were sent, 16 of them, 16 of those letters came back. And what they found is that these clients refused to sign for and open the envelopes for fear that this attorney was suing them for their outstanding debts. You see, it's possible. It's possible for you and I to have a free gift. It's possible for you and I that we have something that has been paid for in full. The Bible says Jesus died once for all, and yet we've not opened this free gift. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It was a gift, a gift from God. You didn't write a check for it. You didn't know somebody that knew somebody that it was a free gift. But how often do we miss out on the gifts of God because we don't open up our hearts and our lives, whether it's repentance, confession, admission, holy moments, ministry moments, because we don't open up our lives to receive the goodness and the grace of God. Philip Yancey would write about Marganita Lasky, who was a well-known secular humanist and novelist. And Philip Yancey would write about her words that were written down in the final stages of her life, so powerful when she tells an interviewer, Marganita said this, what I envy most, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. As a secular humanist, I have nobody to forgive me. I have nobody to forgive me. I want to challenge you today. All of our locations. As you sit in God's presence. My, I'm reading to you from the Holy Bible. I want to challenge you today. You have somebody. You, you're, you're, not, you're not like Marganita. You're, you're, not, you're not in a situation where there's no name to call on. There's no one to reach out to. There's no one to ask for help. You have somebody, and his name is Jesus. And he's as close as the mention of his name. 
And if you call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. And He is a help in the midst of your trouble today. Maybe your life, the turnaround you're hoping for, the transition you need, the new beginning, the fresh start. Maybe it could start right now today by you simply calling on the name of Jesus. The final verse that I want to read to you is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, Surely you know that the people who do wrong will not inherit God's kingdom. Do not be fooled. Do not be fooled. Those who sin sexually, worship idols, take part in adultery, those who are male prostitutes, or men who have sexual relations with other men, those who steal, they're greedy, they get drunk, they lie, they rob. These people will not inherit God's kingdom. And I love this. Notice this today. This is the good news that makes us clean. This is the God will. This is the, if you confess, Christ can change. This is summed up here in verse 11. When it says, in the past. In the past. Some of you were like that. But you're washed clean. We're getting ready to pray today. We've talked about clean. And specifically, what does it look like for God to clean my life? What does it look like for God to clean your life? It says here that when God washes us clean, we're made holy. You're made right in the name of the Lord Jesus. As we get ready to pray, I heard the story about the two little boys. I have four kids. I have one little boy, but even as I was reading this story, I could see him with his buddies and friends, but heard the story about these two little boys, Bobby and Johnny. Bobby and Johnny had been arguing and fighting. They were about 10 and in this arguing and, and fighting, little Johnny goes home, he's mad, he's upset, he's venting, he's telling his parents how bad that Bobby is. The next day, little Johnny jumps out of bed, he grabs his baseball cap, little Johnny grabs his glove, he announces to those that are in the house, he tells them, I'm, I'm going to play baseball with Bobby again. Somewhat surprised, little Johnny's mom said teasingly to him, what? You're going to play baseball with Bobby again? I thought you guys argued. I thought you were fighting. I thought you were never going to have anything to do with Bobby again. Little Johnny looked at his mom and replied, We're fine. Said, Bobby, Bobby and me's good forgetters. And off he went to play baseball with Bobby. Bobby and me are good forgetters. 
See, here's one thing that I've learned about Jesus Christ. He's a good forgiver, and he's a really good forgetter. You may have a lot of people that won't let it go. You may have a lot of people that want to remind, that want to rehash, revisit. You may have a lot of people that won't let you off the hook. They'll constantly bring up what was, what might have been. But in this holy moment today, at all of our locations, I want to celebrate the fact, I want to appreciate the fact He's a good forgiver, and he's a really good forgetter. Maybe today you need to give your life to Christ for the first time. You're listening to me talk about being born in sin. You've never made the decision. You've never raised the hand. You've never opened your heart. You've never prayed a prayer. You've never confessed with your mouth. Maybe today is that day for you. You've said no long enough. You're ready to say yes. For others, maybe you have gotten sidetracked, like I said. Maybe you've allowed some things to sneak in, to creep in. The Bible says that we have to be guarded about giving a a place to the devil. Maybe you've let that happen. And you need to repent, to turn, to change today. Can I tell you, we have a name. The name of Jesus, who will, God will will forgive and he will forget so we close our eyes at all of the locations today we respect this moment if we can limit even just moving around just respect this moment people will pray prayers in this moment that will change their life forever with no one looking around today whether it's for the first time the second time Some of you may feel like, man, I've prayed this prayer a hundred times, and he has heard every one of them. Whether for the first time or you're back again, just want you to slip up a hand all over the room and say, Pastor Mike, I want you to pray for me today. I need a Savior. I need him to save me in this area of my life, this situation, this circumstance, this sin. I need him to save me today. Thank you. Thank you. I need him to save me today. I need the grace and mercy of God. I need God's truth to turn me around. Thank you. Thank you. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Don't underestimate the power of confession. God can make you clean, clean, clean today. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this holy moment. I thank you that as we're listening to your word today, that we're not going to leave the envelope closed. We're not going to return to sender. We're not going to let another service pass us by, another prayer pass us by. We're opening up our heart, our lives to say, God, I want your gift today. I want forgiveness today. I want grace and mercy. I want change in my life. I want this year to be different. I am opening up myself right now to receive the goodness of God. All across the room, God, I thank you for hearing prayers, whether or not it's a tear that slips down someone's cheek, whether or not it's a couple praying together, from the youngest to the oldest, God, I pray that you would hear every heart right now in this moment and that you would make 
a move. Make a move to take that sin. Make a move to change that life today. And I will thank you for it, God. I am so grateful that we have a Savior that died on a cross that gave His life to forgive and to forget our sins. And we pray these prayers today in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time all over the room today. Would you put your hands together and let's thank God for Jesus. Come on, let's thank God for Jesus today.